do you guys mind if I tell you one more Packers story? Oh, do really it. Quick yeah, before do you go. It. Please okay. do. Okay. So another reason why I, <laughs> I have to go with my grandpa and, and be a Packers fan. Uh, I was probably hot six. Got, I was so young. Um, but we used to go to signings all the time. So back in the day when they used to do the travelings for the signings, uh, and you'd go to like the Coliseum or whatever and, and get in line and all the guys would sign your stuff. Uh, my mom collected little helmets, the miniature helmets. And so uh, Ray Nitschke was, was there and it's he, and uh, we, we went up there and we got to the front of the line and he said, hold on one second. Uh, I have to go to the bathroom. And he <laughs> took off his, his Super Bowl ring, which was like the size of my little six-year-old hand, <laughs> gave it to my brother and said, watch out for that while I go to the bathroom. So here's my 10 year old brother with a giant ring in his hand <laughs> waiting for this huge, huge football player to come back. He goes to the bathroom, he comes back and he says, okay, let's take a picture. And he literally, I'm glad we're on video so I can show you this, but he literally picks both of us up in both of his arms <laughs> just like this, uh, like seven years old, my brother's 10 and he, he just picks us up uh, and poses for a picture and, and signs the helmet. And I, I have the helmet in my office, but uh, I was like, you know what? I don't care. That that dude is so cool. Like, like we got to hold a Super Bowl ring. He just lifted us up like we were two little feathers. Like, just the coolest thing. I'll have to find that picture so I can put it on Twitter. But man, cool dude. Wow. Wow, cool that dude. Is, what a cool thing to say. Hey, man, I got to take a picture yeah. of my Super Bowl <laughs> ring. And coming in hot this Friday morning, Acme Army, how we doing? We got a special guest, Packer Twitter's finest. Caitlin Montalvo, she is a gem to talk to. Wait till you get a load of her stories. Also, audio's a little messed up, but there is no mistaking. Great audio at peterprincemusic.com. Get your Friday started right. We're also talking linebackers and running backs. Get some. Buddy, how about the Packers? All right, welcome to episode 71, Acme Army. Thank you for listening. We have a great show lined up here today. Eric and Eric back again, but we have a special guest, a famous lady, actually, of Packer Twitter, and her name <laughs> is Caitlin Montalvo, and welcome to the show. Caitlin, how we doing? <laughs> We're doing well. How are you guys doing? Uh, awesome, awesome. Glad you Good. could join us here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you are uh, our first um, real episode of a lady of Packers Nation that we just need to hear your voice and opinion and get you out there because Eric and Eric are a couple knuckleheads who talk too much knucklehead shit. We need somebody to straighten us out. Thank you for coming on the show today. (laughs) Eric, what are we doing up there in the Northwoods, man? How are you doing? Well, we are certainly enjoying being on our 72nd episode of the Acme Army podcast. Wow. Uh, delighted to have Caitlin here and <laughs> dying to hear what she's got to say. We're going to be looking at uh, some positions running back and linebacker uh, uh, for uh, the upcoming draft. Pretty excited about everything. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a good one. We don't have a whole lot of no uh, news in the Packer Nation this week, but... Uh, there's still the rumblings of J.J. Watt. And Caitlin, I wanted to uh, get your feelings on what you thought of an addition of J.J. Watt to the Green Bay Packers. What would that do for your football team? Did, uh, yesterday that he supposedly has an offer for like, what, 15 to 16 million out there. Mm-hmm. 
um, that came out yesterday. So my first thought is, okay, not us, because there's literally no way we could make that work. Mm -hmm. However, if he was willing to take any kind of pay cut, which I don't know if he would, um, I think it'd be great morale. I don't know. I'm not convinced that he would be great addition for the team itself, but you never know. It can go either way. You know, when you sign a free agent, sometimes it's okay. They've changed your team for the better. And sometimes it's like, that was a waste of money. I personally feel like JJ Watt would be a waste of money. I love him. I would love for him to come to Wisconsin. Um, I would buy all of his jerseys, (laughs) but I just, I mean, I would have every, every single color. I'd have some throwbacks and all of it, but I just don't see the longevity of it. You know, if it was a one-year contract deal for a great deal, I could see it happening. Um, but I just don't see the longevity. I don't see him sticking around for a while and being good. If it's just a one-year, get us to the Super Bowl, get us to win, possibly. But I don't know that he's looking for that either. So, I don't know. Yeah, those are the big questions, Eric. What do you feel about uh, the latest current dollar figures that are attached with him? Well, as as Caitlin said, if if uh, if those are the kind of numbers, you know, it's not going to be us. I think we can we can be competitive with a backloaded contract, maybe more guaranteed money. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess the, the 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 one one place where I differ is that I think we have a lot more to offer on the D line, and if he's not looking at double teams every time, uh, every snap, I think he can be functional. And I go back, he, he has slowed down a bit and there's been some injuries. So there's, those are always big concerns when you're bringing in a, a free agent. But I, the homer in me um, just always goes back to, you know, he could play three years for us and still be the same age as Reggie White was when he got here. And I understand they're two entirely different players. Um, but I, I mixed emotions. I don't know. I think that's one of those things too when, when we're trying to figure out who we might be looking at in the draft, um, whether he's on the team or not. I think there's, there's a whole set of dominoes that fall um, if he's on the team uh, as to how you might address the early rounds. And so I don't know that this is, and with COVID and everything else, it's just such a jumbled up year. So many players that either, you know, sat out or didn't have the level of competition to play against that they normally would have if we would have had a normal year, blah, blah, blah. Just really such a crapshoot this year. Yeah. Well, I thought it was interesting because Peter Jones, shout out to our boy over there in the UK, he had mentioned on Twitter to a response of the 15 to $16 million year range and came up with the idea of a five-year, $80, $85 million contract, which make you go what are you talking about peter jones and then he breaks it down your contract year one year two year three very very reasonable but with the signing bonus in the first year he could walk away with you know the 25 million dollar signing bonus 10 million dollars a year uh, on the cap for the first year you know he could walk away in year one with 38 million dollars and have a backloaded contract of 25 and $27 million on salary where I thought, Oh boy, now we're talking about dollars that kind of make sense from where the cap's going to go 
as it escalates. So I thought Peter, uh, man, he, he, he does so much great number crunching that, uh, Eric, you and I look to other people to provide for us and uh, glad he's our, he's friend. our rust ball. <laughs> glad he's our friend because it made a whole lot of sense. I went, wow, that's because at that point, if he is that good and he would be renegotiating at three years or not, but I, or, or be you know, released. I wonder. I wonder if something like that um, might just sort of firm up the whole. Rogers is here for the full three because it seems like towards the end of a contract like that, if you had dead money coming off of both of them, mm-hmm. that that could be just brutal. Yeah. Um, and you know, and like Caitlin said, you know, it's that, that's the thing is, I, I, it's hard for me to balance because I, I love the guy from from his days at Wisconsin and his brothers at Wisconsin. So you get that sort of Homer thing that kind of overtakes common sense. Does does he have three years left? I think he probably does, but boy. But does he have three full years is my question. I mean, you know, like last year, he played almost all the games. I think he was out one game for an injury, um, which is great. But when you look at an average of five years, you know, he's playing 60% of games. So... If we can get three years out of him, okay, or 16-game year, or are we talking 12 games? Um, and he can still be effective, you know, in, in the 12 games if, if that were the case, but it just makes me nervous. And, and I'm not originally from Wisconsin, so it's easy for me to push that aside. I'm a K-State fan, so I'm not a Wisconsin fan. How um, dare you? So it's very easy for me to push <laughs> I know, I know, <laughs> but uh, it, it made me a big fan of Jordy Nelson, which helps. Hey. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if this were Jordy, we were talking about, it would be a totally different conversation, but yeah, um, yeah I, I, the heart for him, but uh, I don't have that. So I'm easily able to push that aside a little bit. Um, but if we're going to pay good money for someone like that, and I think he could be effective and I think the morale's there and I think the state would just probably die of happiness but i would want it to be effective for 16 games for yeah 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 that's a great point that's a you know having that detachment from from uw is that's that's a valid way of looking at things that i'm just not capable of yeah i i, I, am, <laughs> I am not capable of understanding your perspective on this caitlin but no, I, I appreciate it and respect it. I just, I don't, I don't know how we can afford it. I don't know how it happens, but I'm just, I'm a hundred percent in on the game. I love to log in and see who has the latest rumor speculation and uh, I'm eating it all up. So hey, <laughs> consider me a, a JJ Watt consumer, but hey, before we get too far, Caitlin, <laughs> let's get into you because uh, you are just number one. Thanks for following the Acme Army on Twitter. You are a great follow, number one. And uh, I just love that out of the cesspool that is, you know, Twitter in general, um, <laughs> we've managed to find like, a, 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 there's a, just a good group of people in there that I really enjoy interacting with and uh, no, none more than you. So uh, give, give us your background. You know, you're not from Wisconsin, but give us your background and kind of your story on how you got to be a Packer fan. Yeah. Um, so I'm originally from Colorado, uh, born and raised. Uh, my 
mom's side of the family is actually from Wisconsin. So there's a couple of them still down in Stoughton, Wisconsin, which is uh, about 40 minutes uh, east of, of Madison. So very close to Madison. Um, they're still down there. Um, but my grandparents moved out to Colorado with the army and ended up staying there. So that's where I was born. Um, my grandpa is a huge Packers fan. Uh, and, and growing up, I wasn't super into football. Like my mom was super into it. And so I was kind of the rebellious teenager. Didn't watch any of it, hated all of it. Uh, pretended to be a Broncos fan every once in a while. Um, and then my grandpa said, if you're ever going to become a football fan, you have to be a Packers fan. We don't have anyone else in the family. You've got to be a Packers fan. I said, okay, fine, whatever. Um, and then they ended up winning the Super Bowl, and I still wasn't a fan, uh, which <laughs> so much regret because that would have been great to watch that. Um, I didn't even watch that game, uh, wasn't a huge fan. And then the next year, for some reason, I just got super into football um, and I became a Packers fan. I told my grandpa I would. So uh, that was what I went with. Um, and then I was looking at a transfer uh, for work. And Wisconsin was on my very, very short list of places that I was willing to go. And so um, ended up getting sent out here for a job transfer. And it just worked out. Got to see, you know, my team, be here for that. My family's here. Awesome. Uh, so that's how I became a Packers fan and ended up in Port Washington, Wisconsin, of all places. Beautiful. Well, you know, the, yeah. the two things that jump off the page for me, number one, first of all, welcome to uh, the Packer family. And it's, uh, <laughs> Great to have you on board, but what really uh, seems to me to be a testament to your uh, the, the quality of your character, which is uh, substantial. Uh, how on earth could you have pretended to be a Broncos fan? <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. That, that That's toughness right there. I know. They were good then, though. I mean, when I was pretending yeah. to be a Broncos fan, they were decent. Um, but I, I'm an Avalanche fan for, for hockey, and uh, I'm a Rockies fan. We had Rockies season tickets for a long time, so I'm a big Rockies fan. Um, so it was just kind of natural. Yes, Dante Bichette. Mm -hmm. Funny, we're going to get sidetracked a little bit. But, uh, <laughs> Dante Bichette was my favorite player of oh, all time. Um, yes. We were three. I was three when we had season tickets. Um, and my mom used to tell the story all the time. I was in the bathroom at Coors Field uh, and they were announcing the players and they said, you know, Dante Bichette. And I said, Dante Shet, I love him. And he screamed <laughs> at the top of my lungs in the middle of the bathroom. Um, I love him. I still love him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's a former big, brewer, big I believe. Kid. Former Milwaukee brewer, I believe. Mm -hmm. But when he went he, to Colorado, <laughs> he was. Uh, yeah, I yeah. know. <laughs> well, there was some about the uh, air density that I think Major League Baseball was taking a look at to make sure that they could do a dome in Colorado to actually dense the air up because too many balls are flying out. It was like pop flies <laughs> going 600 feet. So yep. uh, Dante uh, caught, caught the tailwind of that. I, I, Colorado's great. And uh, the Avalanche, I mean, uh, We've talked to ARD. Shout out to Sean here. We uh, <laughs> we got onto a hockey uh, conversation and, and people got upset about that. And I thought, I don't know. I played hockey for 11 years. You know, I played in outdoor rinks in northern Wisconsin, you know, the first high school hockey team before you know, we had to take buses to Rhinelander and Eagle River for 30 minutes at 3.30 in the morning, three days a week in high school because we had ice time because we because we skated on outdoor ice. And those were the oh. towns that had indoor ice. But uh, loved hockey. And one of the things about the Avalanche was when I played goalie for a little bit was just Patrick was 
everybody wanted to be Patrick. Everybody. Mm-hmm. It goes back Patrick. all the way from wow. to, all the way back to Canadian. So I mean, it was like, yeah, he was uh, it was going to be so the the, the Wisconsin in me wants to say, are you talking about Patrick Roy? yeah Yeah, he's he's great i mean i've been a i've been an avalanche fan my whole life i mean they came to colorado 94 95 i can't they won in 95 so that would have been yeah 94 they came um and been a fan ever since uh been a hockey fan my whole life um so i got to see all of the greats you know forsberg you know wow i got to see all of that growing up and then when Wa was the coach that was like the pinnacle of my avalanche fandom for the couple of years that he was there coaching. And yeah, it's, it's great. I'm definitely a, a hardcore hockey fan, you know, just new to the Packers mm-hmm. world. So, yeah. but I'm a big sports, big sports girl. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what hockey, this pace of hockey and the, if you're live at a hockey game, there isn't oh. a better but you know when we live in columbus ohio i take my son to the columbus blue jackets game and it's the same Mm -hmm. uh design as the excel center in st paul so whoever did the wilds uh, arena had done that in columbus and it is a fantastic facility but when you're sitting all the way you know high up and they got these cannons going and you watch a kid watch hockey and they freak out and you know we couple times we've been close enough to the bench and you know where, where he can see the players go he's got pictures and I mean it's the most uh it, the way that the kids can interact with the players it's like no other in, in sports because you're so close so that's what yeah about it. yeah it's great anyway I digress before all the uh listeners go <laughs> man so sick of this hockey talk <laughs> <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> back to the get, football let's get back to these Green Bay Packers because we have the uh we have the draft coming up here, Eric, and we have been going back and forth offensively and defensively. We've done wide receivers. We've done the offensive line, defensive edge. We've done the cornerbacks. And uh, right now we're going to go into the linebackers and running backs because I think this is one of those positions that's, number one, it needs to be addressed. We have to get a linebacker in this draft have to get a running back in this draft because we might be losing both of our running backs. Ugh. I just want to just give one little shout out here before we go on is that here's my case to Jamal Williams. He doesn't <laughs> fumble. He has never fumbled and he is worth every single penny he can get. And if there's no way we can keep Aaron Jones in no way we can get JJ Watt, we really need to, keep our money in house here and make sure that guy is taken care of because the running backs that were in the draft that we looked at, Eric, you're going to be thinking running backs, I'll take linebackers, but uh, there's a couple that are, could be nice additions, but nothing better than what we got on the roster already. I'm a little bit more optimistic about that. Mm-hmm. If you want me to segue into the uh, running backs, bring uh, it. Be, be happy to. And that this was, you know, uh, as the same issue with cornerbacks in the sense that, um, that uh, I should say it's different in the sense that we've got a little bit, um, a little bit more unknown going on at running back. Are we going to have either of our two starters back? And so uh, that's that's kind of how I approached it. Uh, very different experience than the cornerbacks which to me as a total were um, 
not all that impressive a draft class they, mm -hmm. from top to bottom. At running back, uh, unbelievable, um, absolutely blown away. There are, there are uh, several, uh, at least the top two, that uh, I think are can't miss um, starting running backs day one in the NFL. And I uh, <clears throat> looked at several different different mocks, and most of them have no more than one going in the first round. Um, several are available at the midpoint of the fourth round. I did the top six that I picked, mm -hmm. and uh, two of them, including um, Pro Football Focus's number two guy, went out. That's Javonta Williams. Went at one twenty-one. Um, and again, trying to fit player to who we have. Are we going to have Aaron Jones and not Jamal Williams? Are we going to have Jamal Williams and not Aaron Jones? Mm -hmm. I don't think it's possible we wind up with both of them back. So we're going to be with or without one. And you got the kind of thunder and lightning with A.J. Dillon and um, with Aaron Jones. And you got kind of more of a thunder and thunder with, with Aaron Williams because he plays like a, a, you know, a man possessed. Um, starting at the top. Hang on, sort of Caitlin. Yeah. Yes. How do you feel about Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones? Uh, well, I love Jamal Williams. I will be heartbroken. Um, I said a couple days ago that I will probably deactivate my Twitter for a while and take a mental break because I'll be so sad. But um, the, the thing I think the difference with those two guys is too is you have Jamal Williams that I think he has so much potential. I think where he's at right now is he's not at his peak. I don't think he's there yet. I think he still has so much more room to grow. Um, and he's great. Like you said, he doesn't fumble the ball. Um, I think his attitude is where we want to be. I think his attitude is where LaFleur wants us to be. Um, you know, you look at those guys that are are playing well, that are also mentioned by, other players for their attitudes and for their energy that they bring. Um, and I think, honestly, I think last season uh, or the season before last, I guess we should say now, um, I think that was Aaron Jones. You know, he had the sunglasses. That's where that came from. You know, he had that swag and he had that attitude. And then um, I think it kind of shifted. I think we saw his peak and I think I don't see it really going up from here. You know, I think it either plateaus or which plateauing is not bad. I mean, he's great. So if he does plateau, it's a good place to be. Um, but I think his peak is different than Jamal Williams peak. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm cool with the thunder and thunder. I'm good with that. <laughs> I, I adore both of those guys. And I, um, I think they play every game, you know, they, they bring it every single game and, um, so if we're going to keep one, I'd go Williams over Jones. Uh, just because Jones, I, I don't, I see a plateau. I see a plateau or a, a decline as much as I hate to say it. Uh, I like the guy. I think he's a great player. I just, I think we could afford to lose him more than Jamal Williams. Yo, Akmiyomi family, how many of you have gone out to tuliptreegardensco.com and checked out their incredible line of CBD and hemp products available for you at your fingertips? tuliptreegardensco.com, providing you every opportunity to get your health and wellness in line in 2021. Go on there, 
see the unique line of gifts and CBD products they have, and I'm telling you, you will not be sorry. It's been in my life for well over a year, and I have reaped the benefits, and so has my wife. Hey, support those that support the podcasts, and take care of yourself. You're number one in this equation. All right, let's get back into the show. All right, let's rock, man. Give, give, us, give us your stud running backs that I can argue play. with, because I did not see what you're seeing, man. I just did not see it. Play uh, uh, playing off of what what Caitlin said. So you you know you have you know the thunder and thunder or the thunder and lightning. And so looking at at uh, players to replace both was kind of the kind of the way I looked at it. But in in straight up sort of you, the universal number one, although I'm going to say it's one A and one B is Travis Etienne from Clemson, five ten two ten. He's complete. He does it all. He's more in the, if we're going to use Jones and, and uh, Williams, he's more in the Jones mode uh, in that he, uh, he catches everything. He, he runs like a man possessed and he's got some breakaway speed. Um, the second guy is more of the Jamal Williams. He's uh, just a plays bigger. Uh, and that's, that's Najee Harris from Alabama, uh, 6'2", 230. Absolute bowling pin wrecking machine. Also, that, that's the, one of the things that really surprised me about all six of the guys that I'm going to talk about is they all have exceptional receiving skill. You had a couple of them with over 500 yards, 12-yard uh, averages on, on receiving as, at the running back position, and that's a big part of what Matt LaFleur wants to do in this offense, <clears throat> the ability to, uh, to make those uh, running back screens and also the, uh, the orbit motion stuff. Um, so pretty valuable. So uh, let, let, let's go to Harris. Is he, is he, the, the, the question of this now is, are any of these people somebody you would pick up 29? Uh, I, boy. <laughs> Once we know what's going on with the rest of the team and free agency, I, but, that's a but, lot but, easier yeah, question. No, no, but what's the, when you see these I, guys I on tape, would you would you take one of them in, in the first round? At twenty nine, I would take either Etienne or Najee Harris. I like I like Etienne because it's a balance with Corey Dillon. And if it's the first round, that's five years with that guy. You got three more years with Dillon. That pretty much locks up your running back position if you do either one of them. Uh, Harris with the bigger size and, and, and the bigger fella, three drops in eighty three catchable balls in college, thirty five broken tackles off of those 80 catches uh, just an, an an absolute stud a day one starter okay so and i i loved those two uh, what about his age though what is what what about his age at at at, at for a five-year or a four-year running back career that's if you get a full contract out of a running back i think you're statistically doing pretty well i don't think that 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 doesn't bother me I, I love harris when I watched his tape, he's the only one that I would pick in the first round, and not because he's an Alabama running back, just the whole cliche of Alabama running backs. You know, I mean, there's a Trent Richardson in every one of those guys that comes out of there. It just mm-hmm. seems like, but he has a skill set that you have an AJ Dillon and Najee. So when I was looking at running backs as well, I was going, who, who would I pick at 29? He's the only one I would pick there because you could get four or five years, you get five years out of him of unbelievable running back what happens after that with his age because he's a little older than the than the other running backs coming up that's the only thing that worried me on there but um 
Travis at the end, you 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 think he, you'd take him at twenty nine too because he had. I'd take either one of those guys at twenty nine if if the team you know depending upon our need. Yeah. Um, you know, if if we have a JJ Watt, so D lines off. If we do something at cornerback and free agency, you know, it, a lot of that's going to depend upon who we pick up yeah. between now and draft day. Yeah, Caitlin, so it's do you like one of those things? Do you like impossible. running backs in the first round? Um, I think this year, yeah, yeah. I think you know, there's always a a case for it. You know, when when we have other needs and we have, um, you know, defensive needs, probably more so. Yeah. Um, when you have the best offense in the NFL, why are you looking at that stuff? But again, it goes back to what are we getting rid of? Mm-hmm. And and were those key pieces to getting us to that number one spot, which Jones was and Williams was. So if we lose one or both of those guys, then yeah, you, that's almost an immediate need to fill. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you're looking at holes that are created by by trades and and contracts and all sorts of other scenarios. Well, I, I would say that I don't like drafting a running back in the first round ever. Uh, if we lose Jones and Williams, I think it's a consideration. Uh, I'm more interested, uh, I'm more surprised by the drops that all of these guys made to where two of them were available at the midpoint of the fourth round in a couple of the mocks that I looked at. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not necessarily suggesting with the number one, but if, if given... You know, if, if, if the team gets solidified, I would consider Etienne and Najee Harris in the first round. If if there are, I, I suspect we're going to have bigger needs. I don't think there's any yeah. way we're drafting yeah. a running back, number no. one. Yeah, no um, the uh, the uh, services, and I looked at Pro Football Focus, Focus and I looked at, at uh, Walters, and they split really big on the number three guy that I have. He was number two at, at Walters, um, and that's Javonta Williams. Uh, he's a 5'10", 220 pounder out of North Carolina. And this is where I found really interesting is both the number three and the number four guys on my list played at North Carolina this year, which is, I was kind of shocked. Um, they're both, they're both rated in the top five in most of the services that I looked at. Javonta Williams is 5'10", 220, 76 broken tackles and 157 attempts, which is PFF's record for broken tackles per attempt. He's a bowling pin and he's always moving forward. Um, Crazy dude. This guy went 121 in Walter's draft, the end of the fourth round. Um, That's kind of value you got. You know, you had Williams and and Jones at fourth and fifth round. That's that's where you can, you know, find a sweet spot for for some of these guys. Uh, Michael Carter, uh, the next guy also at North Carolina, uh, 7.9 yards per carry the last two years in college. Uh, he had runs of 20 yards or more in 10 of the 12 games they played in. Uh, I'm going to probably be off slightly on this, uh, but from memory, their last game against Miami this year, Carter had 336 yards and two touchdowns, and uh, Williams had 240-some yards and three touchdowns. That's out of the same backfield. That that's crazy. Now that's that's also not playing like the first two guys in the SEC, yeah. where it's serious business every week. But the you know the Big East or the um, ACC is is not a junior league. They're not the level. Um, but so so you got the two guys from North Carolina. I like uh, Javante. I, you know the other guy looks like a Tariq Cohn. Um, 
you know, tandem back there that uh, is benefiting from a heck of an offense there in North Carolina. Yep. Uh, I don't know who the, their linemen are, but they want to look at trapping some of those guys too. Because they obviously uh, are making the, holes. The last two guys are, are, I found particularly interesting in terms of their value and how they, they slip in uh, to our situation. Both of these are were more um, in anticipation of, of losing Aaron Jones and guys that you can probably get in the third round. Um, the first one uh, is Kenneth Gainwell. He's from Memphis, uh, 5'11", 195. Uh, this year, he had uh, 231 rushes, 460, uh, 1,460 yards, 6.3 per, 51 receptions, 610 yards, a 12-yard average per catch, and he's a threat to take it to the house every time he's got the ball. Um, again, Memphis, again, you know, how do you evaluate guys that aren't playing against premier college defenses? Conference but the USA, moves, maybe. the shake, the shake, yeah. the moves, the vision that you see when you watch these guys is about all I can come up with with how to uh, how, how to assess their Listen, Antonio skills. Gibson uh, did the same thing, you know. Yep. Look at what he did in the pros. Yep. Yep. And the last guy and the most interesting of the bunch um, who lasted late as well, uh, Demetric Felton, 5'10", 200 from UCLA. Uh, Pro Football Focus had him as the fastest riser at the Senior Bowl and moved him into day two consideration. Um, He played a little over 200 pounds at running back last year. For the Senior Bowl, he cut to 189 and ran with the wide receivers. Uh, multiple sources reported that he was among the best route runners while with the wide receivers, which tells me that he's the kind of guy that can transition into a sort of an Aaron Jones kind of role with us. Um, and and Dylan and, and Williams or just Dylan and Dexter Williams or whoever, um, he just seems like a guy that could step in, um, step in and play a role for us right away. He also had multiple return touchdowns on, on kickoffs, could be a punt returner as well. Um, pretty talented kid from UCLA. And I just was, t- to me, and, and maybe it's just that much more impressive. I get just as geeked up watching a cornerback run somebody down and bat a ball away. But you see the vision and the speed that these guys have and their ability to take hits and keep on going. I was, was thoroughly impressed with the... Uh, with the uh, running back crew, uh, at least the ones that uh, I mentioned here. Yeah, I mean, yeah, when I when I was looking at them, and you didn't mention somebody that I'm a huge fan of, <clears throat> and I know you probably did that, just take a shot at me. From Ohio State. Looking at your face all the time, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm a big fan of Sermon because I think he's a, you know, six foot, 215, kind of like that Harris kind of mold where it's, it doesn't have breakaway speed, but he's just a, I mean, you got a running back who consistently moves forward, can break tackles, and keep banging. So, yeah, I, those running backs, I don't know. They're not Aaron Jones and they're not Jamal Williams, but we'll never know until they get in there. I like I like Javante Williams. I've seen him rated number one over Entian and Harris. And that's the one where I guess we'll have to wait to see what kind of – what do you do from your, you know, player pro day? I don't know what kind of drills you're going to do. That's why I love the combine. We have everybody in the same, you know, niche there, 
right up against her. Good. Hopefully we'll see something. How do you how do you compare times when they're hand timed and not running on the same clock yeah. at all these different pro days? Well, when you're talking fractions of seconds, yeah. But Hundreds four four to four six is pretty quick, and there's a yeah. big draft difference. Yeah, it sure is. Oh, well, thanks, Eric. That was a uh, good rundown of potentials. I uh, I think it's a consensus that um, we won't see any of these running backs in the first round because I don't think any of them will make it nope. to 29. But, um, you know, I know linebackers might be a little different story. Caitlin, you hanging in there right now? Is, uh, is this uh, yeah. is this running back conversation just killing you right now? Or are you? No, no, it's it's fascinating to me because. You know, I, I can't remember the name of the guy that um, you said, the last guy that was uh, running with the wide receivers. Um, okay, so in my brain, you know, watching what we watched last season um, and how we had to adapt. Now, a lot of that was COVID. So I understand a lot of that's probably going to change moving forward. But um, the way our team adapted, uh, you know, in my brain, someone like that might be more valuable to us than you know, some guy that has more, more yards per carry, you might be looking at some guy that we can mold into something else or, or is available to pick something up. Um, if something were to happen, you know, if someone gets injured and we have to move the roster around a little bit, um, you know, someone like that. And that's why drafts are always interesting is sometimes teams make, make picks that we don't agree with. Obviously we saw it last year. Um, you know, they make picks and we don't know what they're thinking. We have no idea. And so to pick someone like that, maybe over, you know, a number one guy going into it, that could be what they want. They could want someone that can step in and fill different roles um, and, and adapt with the team. Well, I always think it's interesting to see the value charts and, and just how the Packers rank their player evaluations, because is it all athletic? Is it all RAS score or is there that player need in there as well that goes into, do we need to get a running back? Cause I, I thought that rounds four, five, and six were awesome for running backs because you could get a similar body to, to Dylan, right? And you could get one of these Felton's, these gadget uh, uh, running backs to add in there and, and see how they shake out. I just, uh, you know, I just, unfortunately, I don't ever think we're going to see the day when the Packers draft a running back in the first round. <laughs> no. Much like, much like we haven't seen them draft a receiver in the first round. But one thing they will be doing is looking heavily at this linebacking crew. And I'm not going to go in deep to the number of linebackers. I just want to know, or want everybody to know that the linebacker out there for the Green Bay Packers <clears throat> goes to a school, it's a small school, and it's Tulsa. And this man is 6'4", 260 pounds, and his name is Zaven Collins. And he's the only linebacker I can see the Packers selecting at 29. The man in Tulsa displayed the kind of length that no running back can get away from. We've seen those kind of players, um, the Alden Smith kind of length there. You know what I mean? Where when they're pursuing somebody, they just swallow up the running backs. Um, 
That's what I saw with Xavier Collins. The question with him is, is, is he an inside linebacker pure or is he that hybrid edge rusher inside line? Where, where are you going to line them up? Well, I think that's the best question for him because that's what we have. We have these players with Zedarius. You know, we got Rashad really, or Rashad is really going to be on, on uh, the one edge, but the way that we shift Preston, Darius around. He seems like a great fit in there. Might not be the one who's going to be calling the plays, but I can see from the physical abilities that he has to make an immediate impact. And when I watched his tape, all I could think about is this is a more controlled, this is what Kamal Martin could be. That's what I was thinking. Does that make me sound like an asshole? Does everybody in Packer Nation hate me now? Because I just... <laughs> Because Kamal Martin has that length, you know, when you're 6'3", 6'4", 250 in the wingspan that they have, I just, I saw Kamal a little more out of control and a little more reckless. He's going to hold that in. But what Collins showed from a college linebacker was some of the best uh, stuff from a small school I've seen. Then you go into this Nick uh, Bolton from, from Missouri. Guys, he's 5'11", 230 pounds. Does that look like or sound like a linebacker or defensive player that we're trying to shift over to right now? I mean, we, we already have a Bolton that size on the team. <laughs> See, we do. Yeah. I, I don't know if he's on the team anymore. I don't know if Curtis, Curtis Bolton's on the team anymore. But everybody has made, you know, I got into a, a, a Twitter discussion with a kid who thought, I, I mentioned, you know, he's 5'11". For a first round pick for 230 pound linebacker in our scheme didn't seem like a fit. I, 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 my, my argument is why wouldn't we just draft the best safety available to get, you know, who's going to be taller and going to be playing a very similar position within our defense, you know, because um, I don't think somebody on this list can come up and dethrone what Chris Barnes has done. I don't know if anybody can really slow down the progress that in the trajectory that Kamal Martin's on, what we think he can be. Um, so that was my, my biggest, you know, the top two linebackers for inside linebacker. And the third one would be Jabril Cox. And, and I, I looked at him just from a big school perspective, LSU 6'4", it was 235 pounds. He's a good linebacker. Um, he's not a splash linebacker. But at 6'4", again, you kind of fit that mold of the defenders that we have back there that can actually he, – he's not the slowest guy, but that can cover those tight ends. That linebacker position, this is where Zayvon Collins blew everybody out of the water. Zayvon Collins, from his ability to, to play edge rush, middle linebacker and rush – and middle linebacker and drop back, the man's interceptions that he had were unbelievable and taking a few to the house. Now, that's his tape over the last few years, but to see a linebacker make plays to cause turnovers, to cause fumbles, every time he was making an impact play, um, that was really making my mouth water because if there's a defender that could fit the, the amoeba that our defense is with these interchangeable parts, 
that's the athlete that I want. So, but if you're going to go out deeper and look at some of these linebackers, sure. You know, um, Werner out of, uh, out of Ohio state, you know, in the later rounds, he's not bad. You know, Hilliard's not bad from Ohio state. I like them. Um, Moses out of Alabama. I don't know what it is with Alabama and the way that they wear their shoulder pads, but those linebackers don't look like linebackers to me. They got the little shoulder pads <laughs> up there. There's, you know, I don't know what it is, but they just look, but he's uh, he's another one of those possibilities. And in, in the, the, the point is, is there's talent on the linebackers that can give us depth and we need some depth there because I don't know if Ty Summers is, should be our number one backup. I don't know if Oren Burks is going to take another snap for the Green Bay Packers playing around inside or outside, wherever they're going to line him up. So I can see some healthy um, draft selections in those middle rounds for a couple of linebackers, to be quite, quite honest with you. But back to you, what are your thoughts? Well, a couple of, couple of points. Um, w- one, you know, you and I have talked for years about the inadequacy at inside linebacker uh, for the Green Bay Packers. Um, now we got two of them. Uh, we're moving more to a one linebacker system. And then there's Zaven Collins. He was the first guy we talked about in the mock draft this year. Um, he was initially mocked to Green Bay in the very first one that we talked about a month or six weeks ago. Um, but what a, what a delicious problem that would be to have. That kid is a, is a uh, has the potential to be a generational player. He's that skilled to have sideline to sideline ability at 260 pounds is ridiculous. One of the interesting comparisons, and we'll bring some of our Packer fans back with this one, but one of the really interesting comparisons that I saw to uh, how he projects as a pro, and that's what you always got to give up, uh, even if it's to our bitter rivals. Um, but the comparison was to Brian Urenlicker from the Chicago Bears. <laughs> And you look at what what he did over his career, playing middle linebacker at a similar size, and and that's he's just a football player. Zaven Collins, you can plug in anywhere. I mean, he really could be a jackknife between edge rushing and playing in the middle. Um, I, I would much rather draft a Zaven Collins than than any of the running backs we talked about earlier, because there's a guy that your your defensive coordinator is going to find a way to use. Um, uh, what what are your thoughts, Kalen, on the uh, on the uh, potential changes at linebacker for the Green Bay Packers? Well, you guys are making me really excited for this guy. I'm going to go watch some tape uh, now, which, which I don't do, but I don't uh, watch a lot of tape before before draft. You know, just not not my thing. Um, I, college ball, you know, kind of confuses me a little bit with with all the conferences. But um, I think. Yeah, there's some holes to fill and, and some of that I think uh, with the Packers was our lovely uh, defensive coordinator that we had before um, not using people to their full potential which is kind of a shame um, you know I Zedaria Smith sticking around is great um, Preston Smith I think is one of those guys that is creating a little bit of a void that can be filled. And if we have someone like this that you guys are talking about that, I, I really am, I'm, as soon as we get off of here, I'm going to go watch some tape because it makes me excited. Um, you know, having someone that, that is just a, a beast and can, can do the kind of things that we're talking about here. I'm excited about that. I'm excited to see a good defense with the Packers. Um, not that we're bad. We don't have like the worst defense that 
out there, you know, but having those, those holes filled would be great. You know, I think Zadarius needs someone rock solid with him. Yeah. And Preston, gosh, if his contract didn't have the numbers associated to it right now, would we be saying, Hey, man, Preston's got another chance to come back or for sure. Different year. Yeah. I I mean, the guy was so good in Washington. He's too young to just for us to write Mm -hmm. him off. I just feel like I feel bad for the guy, you know, I, I don't know. I was thinking today, maybe there's, sorry. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just thinking about, you know, a stupid uh, thought was, you know, I know Zadarius has a kid and um, I don't know if Preston has a kid or not, if he's a single guy, but I was just, I was wondering at, at what point in your professional career does it really become, Hey man, I just didn't cash in and we're having fun playing football and rocking and rolling and doing my things and to being focused like holy shit man i got people i gotta support right now and every day is going to be about i I, i'm not questioning preston smith's habits that's not what i'm meaning to do right now i just don't the the mentality of what you have to do every day seemed to be evident on the playing field because we expect these ridiculous standards once you set them and preston fell short of that well i guess we're playing in a million dollar man's game right now but this is a man that is a one percent of the one percenters still so i i don't know that that's the question for me with preston i'm i'm, I'm teetering on do we get rid of him or not because i just like him like well him. and i think it was the the perfect storm for the poor guy you know when we have a defensive coordinator that doesn't utilize what we have so that's that's one thing you know, yeah. he has the numbers associated with him. So it's, it does seem like a good route to go if we're trying to get, you know, some funds out of there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think it's, I, I agree with you. I think it's working against him. And I don't think um, that he's at his best right now. And I think that next year, if we didn't have the numbers and we, you know, say we couldn't get anybody else, you know, there's, there's no one else out there. I think if he stuck around, he would prove us all wrong, but unfortunately there's, he had a bad year. Um, he had a year that made people think, okay, maybe we can do without him. And, you know, it's, it's that shiny thing. You know, we see something shiny over there. Maybe it's better than what we got. Uh, why not give it a chance? Yeah. If you put Zedarius in his position, is he going to be able to cover all those tight ends? If you put Gary in his position and ask him to do the same thing that they asked Preston to do, is he going to be able to, you know, to cover no, these no, tight but, ends? No, no, but you know the, the 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 common, and I think we've even I've even mentioned it on here before. The common, as it turns out, misconception is he actually dropped back into coverage less this year than he did the year before. His it, first it was, year with us, but well, fractions of percent. Close, but right, it was, right, it was but still. But you, when they knocked down his his product production, because everyone was saying he was dropping back more, when in fact he wasn't, he wasn't rushing as well. He he did a very nice job batting balls down. He was consistently uh, batting balls down, but he wasn't setting an edge and he wasn't getting the pressure like he did in his first year. The edge was not set, that's for sure. And big big cap number in in a COVID year. You know, there, there's a great question for Peter sometime. I mean, is there is there a way to rework his contract 
uh, to keep him around because he is value. I mean, there, there's, there's no question that he's a valuable part of our team, but we're going to lose value all over. And it's how we replace it. That's going to determine what we do next year. Caitlin, have you been to a Green Bay Packers game? I have. I have. Uh, I've been to one at Lambeau. Um, I went to the Cowboys game in 2016. That was an absolute disaster. No way. Um, (laughs) It was absolutely miserable. I mean, it was so upsetting (laughs) and heartbreaking. And I didn't even get to see a Lambeau leap because we didn't score a touchdown until the fourth quarter. And then it was like, "Eh, nobody cares. Um, So (laughs) that was really sad. Um, But I've been to uh, two two or one uh, at Mile High. Uh, just one, just one at my high. I've been to one at Arrowhead. Um, I was at the the uh, game where, unfortunately, Mahomes got hurt. Um, that was not last season, season before. Um, so I kind of traveled uh, to different stadiums and try to catch some games, which was pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, do you we wear are... your Do you wear your Packer stuff pride or proud and loud, or do you tend to be more reasonable and just try to get out alive? <laughs> Oh, no, no, no. Not reasonable at all. <laughs> uh, actually, at uh, at Mile High, uh, I still call it Mile High. I don't even know the real name of the stadium in Denver, but it's Mile High. Yeah. <laughs> um, we Our friends actually have um, box seats or like club seats, I guess. Um, and so every time I go, I'm the only Packers fan because all of those people are season ticket holders. So they're all Broncos fans. Um, so that's always, always fun to go. And, and those people are so great. You know, Denver people are so nice. Um, never have had any issues. Same with Kansas city. Uh, they were a little rougher though. I will say that, um, that was one of the more, more tough experiences, you know, in green and gold. They, they were brutal as the game went on, um, super nice up front. And then when they started losing, it was not, <laughs> not as fun. <laughs> Yeah, they weren't seeing your colors at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Yeah, we, uh, you know, I went to the, uh, the, the the Cleveland Browns Green Bay Packer game when uh, Deshaun Kaiser was on the team, and we came back and won that uh, game with a uh, Devontae Adams uh, runoff touchdown. But same experience. Cleveland, very much like Green Bay. Great people. Then the f bombs and the get the hell out of came out. Because they, they thought they were gonna win. I mean, they were close to winning the, the game. And I was like, and right. at a point, you're looking at. I'm looking at my son going, Man, "This is the last time I'm coming to this game. We're, we're not coming to Cleveland to watch the Packers again ever." Thought we'd be living there for the rest of our life, but um, that was not the case. It's always fun to be in Lambeau, though, and we are going to be looking at uh, a game next year to get together. And uh, Caitlin, we certainly want you to be. Well, that's that. Cleveland too, right? Yeah, so, that's exactly what we'll we're see. How many of those bums show up in Lambo? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'll bring a trailer by and just drive by the uh, city when I drive through. See if I can't throw anybody in the back for. You know, I feel I need to apologize to members of your extended family for referring to Cleveland Browns fans as bums. I want to retract that now. Yeah. I don't want to create any drama for you. They're not bums. They're uh, just. Miserable, football fans miserable people that's all they are <laughs> miserable i'm just kidding they're uh that that'll be a fun game though let's get together um caitlin with with everybody because you know sean 
we're in his ear. We're in Peter's ear. We're in uh, Dale from the Average Cheese. Shout out, Dale is. Uh, we're gonna have to do another show with him soon. Because, Absolutely, dude's hilarious. Don't but forget Jamie Cheese, but no, well, our friend I, from I, Los I, Angeles yeah. trying well, to get a Cleveland Jamie. game in Green Bay. Well, so Jamie is. Uh, she she mentioned something today on Twitter. So we're gonna hold you to it, Jamie. You were talking about something. Uh, dreams are coming true. So. Lambeau Field is going to be a lot of fun. But, I, you know, this is the great thing about the whole podcast and the whole Twitter thing, Caitlin, is that, uh, you know, we have a, a friend now in Port Washington, and uh, it's just going to get awesomer and awesomer as we can see what happens with the Packers and see what kind of events we can plan to get together. And I'm telling you, I, I, I'm more than happy to host the tailgating party there, you know, throw the keg in the back of the Suburban <laughs> and let that sucker flow the whole game. I mean, we start about 6, 6.30, so – if it's a one o'clock game, we get everybody in. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, those are memories that everybody will have forever. And I'm, uh, I'm disappointed that we had the whole COVID situation this year because this was the year that I was kind of thrust into uh, Packers Twitter. I, I don't know how it started with Jamie. I don't know how I got into it. <laughs> I think, I think I posted like, um, like a cup that I make, I make cups, um, you know, custom tumblers. And I think I posted one that was a Packers one and she saw it, uh, that then it was, it was all over. It was just all of a sudden I had (laughs) all of these Packers, uh, Packers fans following me, which is great. I mean, I cannot say enough positive things about Packers Twitter. And my favorite, my favorite thing is when like other fans of other teams, you know, comment on stuff and they're like, Oh my gosh, Packers fans are so cool like and we just all of us are ride or die i mean it's you say one bad thing and it's like oh no it's over yeah yeah (laughs) yeah well i I mean i just i when when like you're saying a a fan from another team comes in and they start stirring up some stuff though i mean the way that it gets put down it's a it's a it's a tidal wave of Packer mania and uh, it's great yeah, to be part of it. It's nuts. But Jamie has been uh, great because again, when you're not from Wisconsin and you're into the Packers, I always find it just an interesting story that you follow a team that you're not, but uh, her story is fantastic. And she ride or dies with the Packers all the way mm-hmm. in LA and she's positive the whole time. And that's, yep. Caitlin, you're positive. Uh, I am uh, attracted to the positive people on Packers Twitter that uh, make me laugh every day, you know, because there's a lot of fun <laughs> stuff. There's so much fun I stuff tried. on there. I, you know? I, I don't know the etiquette of Twitter yet. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm borderline boomer. I'm 46. I'm trying to figure it all out here, you know, but like, you know, I see a lot of mental health issues on, on Twitter where I just want to go and give people hugs, you know, like I'm really like, hey, guys, man. But this, that's the whole world we're in right now where you're staring at your computer and you're in your Twitter feed and everything else. And uh, that's why we are dedicated and love you, Caitlin, because you're positive and we want to keep the community positively growing. And before we leave, Caitlin, why don't you let everybody know where they can follow you? Um, you can follow me. I, I just changed my Twitter handle. So um, it's at Colorado Girl Wisconsin World. So it's C-O Girl wi world um and also while i'm here uh, you can follow my design page too i make custom tumblers um lots of packer stuff uh the twitter handle for that is at designs by dopey d-o-p-e-y check those out awesome designs by dopey for your custom packer 
tumblers and mugs. That's great, Caitlin. I appreciate and I, I do other teams, even though I'm a Packers fan. I <laughs> so, so listen, Avalanche fans, get out teams. there. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, Caitlin, thank you for coming on the show. We appreciate you, and uh, I hope you will accept the invite to come back on again as we get more fun, interesting news coming on here as the draft and uh, free agency starts firing up here and uh, love to get your opinion on everything. And uh, everybody out there, appreciate you listening to us. Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. Appreciate you following us on Twitter at Acme underscore Army. It's been a lot of fun. We found Caitlin there. Who is the next great Packer Twitter voice we will find? Who knows? But with that, Eric, take us out. Hey, Caitlin, welcome to the Acme Army. It's uh, been my pleasure, uh, our pleasure, uh, to get to spend some time with you. Hope to again uh, sometime soon. Uh, it's uh, positive is positive. We sure love that around here. And as always, go Pack Go! All of a sudden it pops up on the screen we draft a white wide receiver from kansas state i'm like what the hell is he who the hell is jordy nelson that's awesome i love yeah. that i love yeah. that yeah. boy did that turn out pretty nice right i don't and you know who's who's a favorite there. who's who's a more favorite positive packer person in history than jordy nelson i mean what have you ever heard anyone say anything bad about Jordy Nelson? You can't. You he's just one of those guys you can't say anything negative. And I lived in Kansas for um that's how I became a K-State fan. Uh, I lived in Kansas for like 9 months um for a, a job I started a a real estate company out there and um <laughs> I their family is everywhere out there and so they have a, a restaurant and it it's actually closed now which is absolutely heartbreaking. They closed cuz of COVID. Um, but it's called Nelson's Landing and, um, their family lives in Manhattan. Um, and then they have a farm out in Riley, Kansas. Um, and I was driving down the road one day and I, I stopped at a stop sign and a old guy, he was, God, he had to been, uh, 75, 80. Um, he rams into the back of my car. Um, and so we get out and we're exchanging information. Well, his last name's Nelson. And, you know, I don't say anything. I don't think, I, you know, I don't think anything of it. And then we're talking later and he's like, yeah, Jordy Nelson. I don't know if you know him. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and it was like his second cousin, third cousin, something like that ran into the back of my car uh, but but he's great he actually is friends with a, a friend of mine out there and still donates to all charities and um just such a good dude um such a good dude uh still does the the softball charity out there um and they they absolutely love him in manhattan 